Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're walking through the book of Exodus, and today, or rather yesterday, we saw the uh, incident with the creation of the golden calf where the people turned away from God and made their own God. And today we're going to look at the follow-up passage where God informs Moses what's happening down in the camp. So we are in Exodus 32, verses 7 through 14, where we read this. The Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them, and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the heaven, and I will give them all of this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So basically, um, if we take it at face value, God gets angry and is ready to nuke the people that he rescued. Um, interestingly enough, verse at the beginning of this, God tells Moses to leave so he can be angry. And he says, he refers to the people of Israel as the people, saying to Moses, the people you brought out of Egypt. So God kind of disavows that he brought them out of Egypt, but rather says, Moses, you brought these people out of Egypt. Like he's almost like he's entered into a, a framework where he's putting the responsibility on Moses and blaming him. And God's saying he's going to destroy all these people. And you have to wonder is, you know, what's going on here? Is God being honest? Is he really so angry that he's about to destroy them? Is he disavowing responsibility? Or, or is he testing Moses? Is he not being fully honest with his presentation to Moses? Or, or is God really just as petty as he might seem in this passage? And then we see Moses's reaction in verse 11. And, and Moses is actually, it's interesting when uh, they switch roles here, because so often Moses has been kind of losing his mind or losing his emotional cool or or, you know, whatever is going on. And, and God is the one who who pacifies him. And they've, they've switched roles, apparently, in this situation. And, and Moses has this uh, three-part argument. He says, you know, God, you, you put so much effort into this. You did so much work. It's going to be all for nothing. And then he says, you know, and then the second point is, well, why give the Egyptians a win? They're just going to, now they're going to just say God is this evil God who brought them out into the desert, desert so he could destroy them. You know, what kind of God is this? And then Third of all, and probably the real clincher here, the real, uh, I think the most powerful argument that, that Moses makes is that, God, you made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, and, and, and I know you don't want to go back on that, you know, honor your word to them. And so 
what again what is going on like are you going to just burn it all down and start over as you know he's saying he's going to do with with moses and I think uh, this is a very kind of human desire that many of us have is that when things go wrong, when there's a betrayal, when there's uh, an infidelity, when there's uh, some type of deep hurt, um, that oftentimes, maybe even for less than that, oftentimes our response is that we want, we just want to burn it all down and start over with someone else. And, and we see in so many ways that God is not that kind of God. And yet um, he presents himself that way to Moses. And so my sense in this is that he's really trying not to test Moses as much as he's trying to bring out of Moses, kind of midwife out of Moses, the very character that God himself has. But he wants, I think he wants Moses, especially as the leader of Israel, to voice those things himself, to own that attitude himself, to be the kind of leader who maybe for the first time, uh, and I'd have to really look at this, but I think it's for the first time where Moses really totally owns the mission. Uh, there are so many instances, especially when you read the parallel passages in Numbers and things like that, where Moses says, you know, I'm not their mother. I didn't give birth to these people. I'm not their nursemaid. I didn't ask for this job. I didn't want it. Like his prayer in Numbers 11 is basically, you know, if you if I have any favor with you, God, please just kill me now. I don't want to, I don't want any part of this. And Moses has come from that place to now saying, no, God, this this is it. This is the plan. This is the covenant. You're, we're gonna we're gonna bring about the very promises that you promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're gonna show the peoples of the world, the people of Egypt, that you're this this God who honors promises and brings about good for His people. We're gonna show everyone that this is the way that you are the way. And and so I I see basically my my sense is that looking at the larger narrative, that what God is really doing here is bringing out of Moses that which Moses has been so resistant to up until this point where Moses now has been offered like Moses, I can, I can make this all about you. I can invest all of this in you and start over with just your family. And Moses is like, no, God, I don't want that. I don't want what's in it for me. I want what's in it for you. I want what's in it for these people. I I'm, I'm owning the mission now. So in any case, that's my sense of what's going on is that Moses is for the first time truly owning the mission that God has given him. He's finally maybe actually qualified to be the leader that God wants him to be. So anyway, th that's what I see here or, or what I'm guessing at. Dave, I'm wondering what you see here because there is always the caveat, like God could still fulfill his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by starting over with Moses. Uh, he could still make Moses into a great nation, which would technically fulfill that promise. Um, so Moses' third argument. But in any case, I'm wondering what you see in this passage. Well, I can, I, I love the, your way of, of describing uh, the resolution here, but just to make clear the problem, I mean, as if it weren't obvious to everybody, why is it we don't just read it at face value and go, well, no, the Lord really was that angry. And he was, you know, just like a you know petulant child. He was really furious and he was going to do his, uh, you know, destroy those people. And, and then Moses, you know, the reasonable level-headed one talked him out of it. Um, well, I think the reason is because this is so different from the, the story that we get in all of the rest of scripture about who God is, including from all of the stuff that Moses wrote, right? Um, uh, you know, um, God is uh, slow to anger and quick to forgive, you know, that uh, like it's just over and over and over. We hear that promise that God is slow to anger. Um, and, and yet here, it just seems like God's like, Whoo, you know, just flew off the handle in a hot second. And so how is it that we we reconcile 
the the um, very often repeated uh, descriptions of God as being patient, as being long suffering. Actually, in Hebrew, the idiom is it has a very long nose, uh, and and that's the, the actually the literal way uh, that they talk about somebody having a lot of patience, right? And so that like. You know, it's going to take a long time for them to sort of lose their cool. Um, and uh, and so, like, that that's just such a common description. And it's one thing if everybody else described God that way, but Moses is like, well, you don't really know the side of God that I saw. Uh, but in fact, Moses himself describes God this way repeatedly. Um, and so I, I, I think that that's why we're trying to figure out how do we reconcile what we see in this story with these other realities uh, and and so I think the way that you're you propose to do it is is a great idea. Um, what I will say, I think there are a lot of people who would say, "Oh, well, of course God could never change His mind." And you know that's a funny one too, because on the one hand it says the Lord changes mind, but of course that could have been a little bit of a, a bait and switch, like you know, all right, I won't do this thing I was never actually intending to do, but good good for you, Moses, you finally got on board. Um, the, uh, so maybe the Lord didn't change his mind here. Uh, and in fact, there's another Bible verse where it says that the Lord is not like a, a human being that he should change his mind. Um, and yet we actually see multiple examples in the scripture uh, where God does seem to change his mind. And in particular, in fact, God's quite clear in Jeremiah. He says, hey, if at any point I threaten destruction or blessing on a place, and then they either, you know, they, they turn from their wickedness uh, or turn toward wickedness. Well, then I I might not do that thing that I not bring the blessing or the curse that I had promised and, in fact, do the opposite. Uh, and the reason is that, that God's uh, strategy or approach may change because his values never do. God's character never changes. Uh, and because God always values the same things, and, and his is completely consistent there. Well, as circumstances change, that, that those values are going to then uh, necessitate that that God's actions change. Um, and I, I think that's where uh, you know I think that's where the, the um, it doesn't bother me the possibility of God changing His mind. Actually, the part in this passage that bothers me more is the the presentation of God being so quick to get angry. Um, and, and and being so kind of uh, I don't know emotionally unreasonable, um, but that's why I think the, the, the what you're proposing really aligns with what we know to be true about God, uh, and of course makes sense in the narrative, right? We as you've said, there's been this transformation that happens in Moses from being the, the a very you know one thing to say a reluctant leader. He, he's, I don't know, what's the word that's a little stronger than reluctant? Because, I mean, he says, no, Lord, don't send me. I don't want to go. Please send to anybody else. I don't want to go talk to Pharaoh. And he does this repeatedly again and again and again. And we've seen this tra transformation into this, what ends up becoming in the very end, an incredibly selfless leader, full of faith, full of love. We just see this transformation of Moses. And, and you're right, this ends up being an important moment in that. Um, and so maybe that is, in fact, what's being described. But I think this shows why biblical interpretation can be challenging and why it's so important that we don't take one verse out of the Bible from anywhere and say, this is the truth. No, 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 no. 
This is an important part of a story, a whole presentation of who God is, and taken together, it is truth. But individual isolated snippets may not be, and yet that is the way that most people proof text the Bible. And they, they know verses, but they don't know you know, books. They don't know kind of these themes, the, the larger meta narrative that holds scriptures together. Um, so anyway, I think this points to the, the danger in that. Yeah. And, and looking more at the context of Moses, you think about what's, what's the besetting sin that Moses carries. Like if there's one sin that's going to make him fall, what is it? And it's, it's his anger, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's right. even, it, it's the very thing that keeps he's him out of the promised land in the end. Right. He's hot-headed, And so God models that for him. And, and Moses is the one who tries to calm him down. And so there, there seems to be a connection there as well. And, and, and as, as for context of God's anger, we've already seen that the reason that the Israelites were slaves for 400 years in Egypt was because God was patient with the Amorites. Their sin had not yet reached its fullness. So if God was patient enough with a, a whole group of people for 400 years, why would then God go turn around with the very people that were rescued by God and in an instant say, okay, that's it. I'm done with them. I'm going to destroy them. And so it, that, those, those are some of the reasons why it doesn't fit with the larger narrative. And it seems that God is doing something special with Moses in this moment. I mean, even if that wasn't true, I, I confess I would have the temptation to want to defend God and make God look better than this passage portrays. But I think that there really is justification for saying that there is a larger story going on here. And we need to read beneath, the, you know, between the lines. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. Well, John, with that, will you, you want to close us in prayer today? I would love to. Our, our good and gracious God, we, we thank you that you are long of nose, that you are slow to anger that you are patient with us, that you are so loving and giving and looking for opportunities to bless. And that even when it seems like certain people and certain groups of people are, are beyond redemption, even then when they turn, you were willing to welcome them back and rescue them. Lord, I pray that we would have the same kind of patience. Help us to be like Moses in this moment, to, to really see what it is that you were working on in the world and what you're calling us to do, and that we would fully get behind it, that we would want to see your mission completed in this world and that we would want to be a part of it. Lord, I, I pray that we would have that same mindset, the same mindset that Jesus had and whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us again for another week of studying God's word together. We look forward to worshiping with you this Sunday, and then we'll be right back here on Monday to open God's word again.